everyone, Vincent Aiello here, founder and host of the Fighter Pilot Podcast. I don't know about you, but two of my favorite aircraft are the F-4 Phantom and the A-10 Warthog. Now, which do you think would be more fun to fly? The problem is there are very few people who have had a chance to fly and fight both. Well, I know someone who has. In fact, he's written a book about it. It's called From F-4 Phantom to A-10 Warthog, Memoirs of a Cold War Fighter Pilot. And it's written by Colonel Steve Ladd, United States Air Force retired. And Smokey joins us today via Zoom. How are you doing, Smokey? Hey, Jello. I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. All right. So this book was a lot of fun to read, and you are quite the talented author. What inspired it in the first place? Inspiration was basically the fact that uh, uh, after I retired, I got to thinking about it, and I knew that I had a lot of stories in me. Uh, it was a long career. A lot of good things happened. A lot of bad things happened, but I had a whole lot of stories and uh, thought that I might want to uh, find a way to tell them. I gave that a bit of thought, and then I thought about uh, who I am really, and uh, I came to the conclusion that I'm not uh, Chuck Yeager, and I'm not Robin Olds, and I'm not uh, Jack Broughton, and uh, why would I write a book about my own, his, uh, my own heroics? So, in essence, the, the, the genesis of the book was uh, my idea that uh, I could do something a little different. In other words, what I'd like to try to do and what I have tried to do with this book is, uh, is write a, a, a catalog of what fighter pilots are like and why they're like that, why they, uh, why they do the things they do and uh, why they act the way they act and uh, what sets them apart from 99% uh, of the population. It took me seven years to write it and uh, wife with the cattle prod to get it finished. <laughs> well, on behalf of all of us fighter pilots who are so misunderstood and try to crack funny at home, and it's just not quite the same as doing so at a ready room, thank you, because yes, we are a different breed. But your particular writing style, I really thought was enjoyable. It's kind of snarky, irreverent, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, what did I write down here, playful. Is that you as a person, Smokey? Yeah, yeah, it is. Always has been. Um in essence, it got me in a fair fair amount of trouble while I was on active duty from time to time. I, uh, I routinely uh, opened my mouth and stuck my foot in it, but uh, those were gentler times and you could get away with that kind of thing. Um, I've always enjoyed making people laugh, uh, whether I can do it verbally or whether, uh, whether on paper. Uh, I've always gotten uh, uh, a big buzz out of writing something that uh, that people actually enjoy, not uh, not necessarily technical, not necessarily there I was, but uh, uh, something that uh, that you can hear and uh, and assimilate and uh, come up with something that uh, that tickles your fancy in one way or another. Yeah, well, you do such a good job of that because the book opens with a little about you and then there's the shenanigans. But I really found it interesting getting back to the beginning of this video we're recording is that you were so in love with the F-4 and flying it during Vietnam. And then to find, oh, no, we have to convert to this ugly, hideous thing. Uh, but you really grew to love it. And so let me put it to you, uh, Smokey, if, if um, you walked out today fully trained and ready to go and there was an A-10 and an F-4 sitting side by by side on the ramp and they gave you the keys for an hour which one would you hop in oh that's the that's a hell of a question <laughs> um I, I've, I've actually explained that in my book right near the end and uh in in essence it's it's like comparing apples and oranges the uh 
the phantom is uh, is all power and speed and brute force and uh it it was a wonderful wonderful airplane to fly uh the hog on the other hand is slow maneuverable fantastic visibility and uh, probably the most demanding mission that uh, that that there is today um if uh, if i walked out on that ramp and there was one of each there and you held a gun to my head i suppose i'd probably walk on over to the f4 but it it has nothing to do with the airplane. I uh, I put a quote in the book from Ernest Hemingway, and I uh, I can't read it because I haven't got it to hand. But basically, what he says is, uh, if uh, if you lose your virginity in an airplane and it's a beautiful airplane, uh, that's the airplane you'll remember for the rest of your life. And that was the uh, that was the F four. Nothing detracted from the A ten. It was yeah. terrific in its own way. Yeah. No, we ended up quoting that recently on one of our episodes on the Fighter Pilot Podcast because we had danced around the topic on one of our shows. And then as I was reading your book, I said, oh, duh, Ernest Hemingway said something about it. So that was very interesting. Now, as the reader will find in this book, you really cover a whole spectrum of events, including going to Iran when they were our friends and helping train them. What was that like? Not just being there, the reader can find out about that, but in the years since, as we have become more and more frosty, if you will, as two nations, how was that? Uh, how have you perceived that? Yeah, uh, the the Iran experience was a was a wonderful experience. I thought it was a great challenge, uh, and uh, what uh, what I learned from that, never having had anything to do with anybody in the Middle East uh, except one guy in pilot training, but you can read about that too. Mm -hmm. But never having anything to do with uh, Middle Eastern pilots. I learned that more or less they're the same as Western pilots, maybe to a different degree. Uh, they got good ones. They got bad ones. They got real fighter pilots and they got pilots who just happened to fly fighters. And uh, we saw a little bit of all of them uh, during that tour. Um, we, uh, we taught them a lot. Uh, they were under a different regime and uh, they, uh, they were very, very much constrained in what they could say or what they could do. And I suppose what I took away from that was uh, if we had to go out there and butt heads with them today, uh, I don't think we'd have a lot of problems with them because cool. good pilots, though they may have been, they were terribly, terribly limited in, uh, in the ability to innovate, the ability to come up with tactics, because any kind of free thinking like that was, uh, was kind of considered uh, a little bit uh, seditious in those days. <laughs> but uh, I made some good friends there. I, I flew with a lot of guys that were very, very capable and competent. Uh, I kind of wonder if any of them are still around. I mean, hell, they'd be my age now, so they wouldn't still be flying. But uh, an awful lot of them got knocked off when the uh, when the wild eyed uh, jihadis took over uh, two or three years after we left. Yeah. Well, I'm terribly unfortunate. Another part, though, about your book I found interesting is you did so many tours overseas, specifically in Europe, Spain and England and so forth, and even traveled to the other side of the Iron Curtain. But you were really there through the height and then the fall of the Cold War in the, in the, uh, in the wall. What was that like to experience firsthand? Well, it wasn't quite as dramatic as you might think. When you look at it in, in perspective, um, it all happened very abruptly, uh, you know, right up until 
the wall fell uh, in about uh, in about 90, right up until that point, uh, there was very little difference. The, the threat was still there. We knew uh, we knew that uh, Rus the Russians had armor uh, lined up on uh, the east side of the IGB. We knew that uh, that they were going to be pretty tough. But then when it fell apart, it all fell apart very, very quickly. So from our perspective, uh, we didn't see a whole lot of difference until it just crumbled. And then we looked at each other and said, ah, what the hell happened? We must have done something right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one way to quote win, right? All right. <laughs> now, I do have to ask you one thing, because nice thing about having a podcast is you're always learning something. And I've exposed so many blind spots in myself. When I think of in the Navy, for example, you have fighter pilots and attack pilots and helo pilots and all these different things. You went from being a true fighter pilot in the F-4, uh, but in the A-10, which is an attack plane, you still call that a fighter pilot. Is that just a, an Air Force thing or a semantic thing? Because they're also, I guess, fighter squadrons. So, I mean, it, not like there's a, hey, we're different than them or anything, but yeah. I don't know. To me, there is there is a slight difference there, but maybe not. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a philosophical difference. To Sounds like primarily between the, uh, the, the, the Navy and the Air Force. Uh, all of our squadrons, all of our A-10 squadrons were fighter squadrons. And uh, I think the, 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 uh, the way that we always thought about it and the way that uh, we always approached it was that uh, being a fighter pilot had, uh, had really not a lot to do with what kind of airplane you were flying. It was an attitude. Uh, it was an attitude that you wanted to get out there, kick some butt, win, one way or the other, whether it was uh, against a tank or against a MiG or you name it. But the attitude of uh, the guy flying the airplane is, uh, is what uh, we thought uh, kind of blurred the lines of distinction between, uh, between fighter and attack. Um, the A-10 pilots, uh, I think, because we were uh, sort of the redheaded stepchildren for a while there after uh, after the airplane first came in up oh, slow ugly airplane all the rest of it um, we uh, we earned some credibility pretty quickly because uh, particularly I remember this from when we when we took the airplane to Europe uh, we started flying around uh, in Germany in the North German plane and everybody wanted to have a chunk of us up oh, there's one of those big slow airplanes let's go get him well, it took them a little while to learn, but to begin with, and what we always prayed for was you'd see these guys coming and say, come on down and turn with me, Bubba, come on down. And when they did, when they did, of course, they spit out in front. And the next challenge for them was to uh, outrun about 70 of these puppies uh, a second. And... Uh, they learned, of course, they learned that, uh, that that it wasn't a very good thing to do, but uh, they uh, they stopped looking at us uh, as a target. And uh, with that big gun out in front, they began realizing that the airplane uh, can do some damage. If it can if it can do some damage to a tank, it sure does some damage to an airplane. And it was a funny thing. If you look at the Gulf War, I did a little reading. I mean, my, my numbers may be a little bit wrong here, but uh, uh, the F-15 got 41 kills, I believe. The F-111 got a kill, flew a guy into a ground. And here's a prime example of a, of a fighter pilot flying an airplane that's not really a fighter. The A-10 had two kills, helicopters. 
And the F-16, Zippo, absolutely nothing. <laughs> so uh, they uh, they can't really look at us and scorn anymore and call us uh, attack pilots or or call us that with with bad intent. Yeah. Well, and there are some very funny anecdotes in the book about uh, when you first were training in the A-10, uh, you know, some of the run alongside, and I won't spoil it, it's great, anyone who, who reads it will enjoy it. Um, yeah. But I did want to ask you, Smokey, about, you didn't really pull any punches in this book, you you called some folks out uh, yep. who probably deserve to be based on your description. What has yep. been the response to your book, both from friends and potential uh, less, lesser friends, let's call them? It's uh, it's been uh, it's been kind of odd, Bill. I haven't heard a thing from lesser friends. I haven't heard <laughs> a, a peep from any of those guys. But it's funny from uh, from ex friends. Um, you mentioned a couple of them, the politician that uh, you'll you'll see an awful lot of. I'll bet I've had thirty or forty guys write in and say was uh, was a politician so and so. Not one of them's got it wrong. So I think. I think the 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 individual I portrayed was uh, was was pretty recognizable, and uh, it went along. The only guy that I did name was a wing commander uh, at Bentwaters who uh, made it very clear from even before I got there that, that I was not the guy he wanted to be the uh, director of operations. Uh, he and his wife were pretty frosty to us uh, even even before we arrived. And uh, I thought, well, he, he deserves to be named. So I, uh, I, I put him in there and left him in there. And uh, I haven't heard anything from him yet. Uh, he ended up with three stars and, uh, and all the rest of it. He, uh, he could probably have a, have a chunk of me if he wants. But uh, I think the statute of limitations has run out on that. Yeah, I would say so. Well, you know, you called it as you saw it, Smokey, and that, again, is one of the refreshing aspects of this book. Another thing that I really found delightful, if you will, about this is just the way you really summed it all up. And if you don't mind, I'd like to just take a, a quick moment to read some of this, because in this business that is so violent and so busy at times and everything else, there's still a very somewhat romantic element to it, as I like to say, and it sounds soft, but it really isn't. But you say here, over the span of nearly 30 years, through no great personal skill or cunning, I repeatedly found myself in the right place at the right time. Despite the ups and downs inherent in any lengthy career, I can think of precious little I would want to alter. I was privileged to serve with a brotherhood of professionals who shared my motivations and passions, my philosophy, my love of country, and not least my commitment to squeezing as much enjoyment out of life as possible. That really is a fighter pilot in a nutshell, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the more I think about it and the older I get and people say, hey, do you miss flying? And I say, well, yeah, I do. But a lot more than that, I miss the people that I spent the time with. I miss the people that uh, I miss the people that I flew with. I miss uh, I miss the professionals that kept the airplanes tip top and the, the kind of dedication that they showed. Uh, I miss the I miss the brotherhood and I miss the family and I miss those kind of people. Yeah. Oh, I agree totally. And you actually go on. I won't read the whole thing, but you say I've had the opportunity to lead and follow some of the most impressive human beings on the planet. You won't recognize their names. They never achieved fame or fortune, but they believed in their profession. And uh, again, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But, you know, Smokey, I love this book. Obviously, it's a labor of love for you. I'm so convinced our listeners are going to love it that I recommend we promote this and give a couple away. What do you think? Why not? 
Okay. Well, we do this quite often anyway. So for those who aren't familiar, head on over to probably your best bet is to either the uh, Facebook Fighter Pilot Podcast page or find us on Twitter. But there, when you hear and see this, you'll know that that promotion is running. We'll run it for a few days. Sign up, put your name in the hat. It'll be free. And then uh, Smokey at the end, we'll draw a couple winners and we'll send them to you. And if you even want to put a personal note in there, or you can or however your fulfillment works. But I think we should give some of these away. And then hopefully for folks who don't win, they'll go out and buy one because this really is, I enjoyed it. I, I really did. And I hope other people will too. Great. Me too. Good. Well, in that event, when people enjoy it and want to know more about you, where can they follow you? Are you on social media? Is there a website? What can we uh, do to follow Smokey? Yeah, lots of places. People can find me in all sorts of places. And, uh, you know, if they don't look around, I'll catch up with them from behind. But uh, uh, I've, I've got a website. It's, uh, it's uh, well, all the letters, HTTPS, www. Uh, phantom to warthog.com. I'm on Twitter as warthog01. Uh, I've got a Facebook page. Uh, once again, it's Phantom to Warthog. And uh, if you want to buy the book, uh, you can find it on that website. Or if you just Google my name, Stephen Ladd, Colonel Stephen Ladd, or a Phantom to Warthog, you can find, oh, all sorts of uh, all sorts of people who will be happy to send it, sell it to you. For sure. And we will add it uh, to our website as well, fighterpilotpodcast.com slash shop. I assume it's available on uh, Amazon, right? Yep. I think just about any book is these days. Amazon, so. UK and US. And I've also discovered Germany and France lately. Good. Uh, All right. Well, I, I've had a guy find it in Australia. He had a little bit more trouble with it, but he found it. Uh, so hey, it's everywhere. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. It again is from F4 Phantom to A10 Warthog, Memoirs of a Cold War Fighter Pilot by Colonel Steve Ladd, United States Air Force retired. Smokey, it's been a lot of fun getting to know you and thanks for this wonderful book. You bet. I enjoyed talking to you, Jello, and uh, I enjoyed, uh, well, I always enjoy talking about the book and I always enjoy talking about the life I've led. It's been a good one.